Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad that you have joined me on this Monday evening, Monday afternoon. It depends where you're listening from because we have listeners from all over the country We even have international listeners, but we welcome you wherever you're at. So glad that you can be a part of the show, and we invite you to do just that. Give me a call. Call in numbers 303-690-3000, and you get to ask questions about the Bible or Christian living or what's our world view about certain things. And so I'd like to take you to the Word of God and talk to you about the things that are important. And also, it's an opportunity for you to call in with prayer requests, so My name is Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. Once again with you on this Monday, beautiful day here in Colorado. It's the last week of March. Going to be heading into April uh, here uh, later in the week. Pray you're doing well. It's springtime, and I think a lot of us are excited about uh, the change of season and getting outside where it's warm. It's very beautiful here along the Front Range in Colorado and up into Wyoming, all you who are listening live on Grace FM, Colorado, and and again, uh, that extends up into southern Wyoming, Laramie, Cheyenne. Give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Pray you're doing well. Also want to welcome all those who are listening by radio, by grace, throughout the country. Pray uh, that uh, you will consider just giving me a call. So glad that you guys are part of the program. You guys are listening live today. Uh, so wonderful to to hear from you guys from Florida and Georgia and Texas and in the South, Mississippi and Alabama, from uh, parts of the East Coast. We want to welcome all those who are listening in on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Rate Higher Rock Radio. You are week delayed, which simply means that you simply call. We'll have our conversation and then you get to listen to it a week later on your radio network. And so, so glad. Online listeners, welcome. As you're listening from all uh, around the country, give me a call at 303-690-3000. This is your show. This is an opportunity for you to call in with a question that perhaps that you've had in reading your Bible, or you heard a Bible study, or maybe you have a uh, Bible study group, and you guys got into a conversation, and you're you're wondering about some things. Love to help you out if I can. So the text line, another way for you to be able to uh, to ask a question or give a prayer request, is a dedicated text line. So give me a, a text. It's for texting only. Uh, don't try to leave a message on that line or um, you know call. Nobody's going to answer. It's just for texting. And that's 720-336-0897. Let me say that again, 720-336-0897. And that is also a 24-7 prayer line for you to text in a prayer request. And the prayer team, the the pastoral staff at Calvary Church in Aurora, where Grace FM originates, 
will be there uh, to pray for you as they take those prayer requests on the text line. All open lines right now. So just waiting for the phone to ring. And as soon as it does, we'll go to the phone lines. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Also want to welcome, we have a listener from Ukraine, from uh, Dominic Republic, Africa, uh, online listeners uh, that uh, we are connected with throughout the world. And uh, we want to pray for those in Ukraine. Let's do that before we go to the phone lines. Lord, we just thank you that we have a listener. And uh, we just pray for uh, the people of Ukraine as the war rages on, um, the devastation, uh, the bombing. Uh, we just pray that there be peace. And I know that there's talks, but Lord, such a, a devastating time for them. People uh, leaving their homes. Uh, families being separated, fathers leaving to go fight, uh, refugees pouring into the neighboring countries. Uh, Lord, uh, we just lift them up, and we just pray for the Christians there that you would strengthen them, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are showing such courage and, and helping. And, Lord, we just lift up the Ukrainian people that you would just be with them during this very difficult time as uh, their land has been invaded. But, Lord, I also know that there are those in Russia that uh, that are very bothered by what has happened, and and uh, the Christians there are praying for the people of Ukraine, and uh, the, the world is in such upheaval, and it's to a boiling point. And we know what the Word has to say about the prophetic future of the world, that there's going to be nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there's going to be upheaval, there's going to be difficulty, but as we look to you, we know that your kingdom is coming. So we just pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Got a couple open lines. Text line 720-336-0897. Send me a text. Love to talk to you. Love to be uh, just an opportunity to talk with you. Let's go to Chrissy and Thornton. Chrissy? Yeah. You're on Calvary Live. Okay, I can hear you. <laughs> I yeah, guess, go ahead. In my Bible study, we've been uh, going through Proverbs. And on Proverbs 3, it talks about wisdom being her. And I tried to dig into it and find out what it means. And I'm having a hard time with that. Well, I think, remember in Proverbs, these are the uh, poetic books of the Bible. And sometimes the Bible will use poetic language. Um, sometimes, for example, um, in the Gospels, Jesus said, how I long to gather, as he's speaking to Israel, you under my wings as a hand gathers their chicks. Um, he uses poetic language. Sometimes uh, it's referred to as the Lord um, in poetic languages. Well, the same thing is with wisdom. He's saying her. He, it's a poetic expression that is being used there. So you'll see that as uh, it is, um, you know, wisdom, her, um, more of a poetic expression than anything. And the thing is, in, our ladies just did a study in Proverbs, and they were going through that book as well. So you'll see that in the first few chapters of Proverbs, her speaking of wisdom, um, and that's just the poetic language that's being used there. 
So, okay. All righty. Thank you. All right. You are welcome. Appreciate you calling. Good question. You know, there is poetic language and uses in the Bible, especially in the, you know, uh, poetic books of the Bible, which is, um, you know, that we have Psalms, Proverbs uh, that you'll see there. And, um, and wisdom is called her kind of personalized in that way. But there is a difference. Here's the thing to remember. And uh, Chris, if you're still listening, there is a difference between godly wisdom and also um, worldly wisdom. That's first of all. And Paul would say to the Colossian believers that don't let anybody cheat you through, uh, you know, man's wisdom, through philosophy, through traditions of men, that which is not of Christ, because in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So there is a difference between God's wisdom and uh, worldly wisdom. And then also to know this, um, that wisdom is not just knowing it, but it's applying it. And I think that's what um, is really expressed in those chapters of Proverbs, you know, guidance for the young in chapter three, and then security and safety that we have in applying it. And then chapter five, six, and seven is the warning against the seductress woman. It's not just knowing God's word, but applying it in your life. And that's true wisdom where it comes from. Hey, 303, we've got an open line. 690-3000's call-in number, text line 720-336-0897. Again, my name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado with you on this Monday, last Monday of March. So glad to be with you. So give me a call or send me a text. In the meantime, let's go to Texas, to John. John, how are you? Oh, good. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. Go ahead. So I was reading in the book of John this morning uh, where Jesus is in the garden with the disciples, and Judas betrays Jesus, and, and the Roman soldiers or whoever it was that was coming to, to grab Jesus uh, asks who he is. And when he says, I am, they're all knocked over. Is, is that, was that literal where, where the power, where he confesses to everybody that he is God by saying, I am, like he did to Moses? Were, were they really, yeah. literally bowled over? Was it hundreds of people that just were knocked backwards? Yeah. So as you put the the arrest, you know, Judas the, brought a detachment of troops. These are temple soldiers. These are not the Roman soldiers. Jesus would be handed over to the Romans the next day. But as they're coming with torches and weapons, uh, here they come, led by Judas. And as they come in chapter 18, um, they... Uh, come to Jesus, and it says that um, Jesus said, Whom are you seeking? Um, and they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am. And then it says that um, that I am he, and they drew back and fell to the ground. I believe they literally fell to the ground. Can you imagine what that was like, John? 600 soldiers falling to the ground, clubs and soldiers, you know, spears and and shields and all that flying everywhere and falling. It must have been quite a sight. And I this is the only example that I see in the scripture of somebody being slayed in the spirit, to be honest with you. And as we see this, I think that Jesus, you know, was letting them know that you're not going to take me unless I allow you to take me. And it was Jesus that said in the gospels that no one takes my life from me, that I'm I lay it down freely 
uh, I lay it down, I will raise it up again. So Jesus is in control, and I think he's letting them know that he's in control. And then he goes back and he says, um, who are you seeking? And um, as they asked him again, and I think that as they asked him again, they were a little bit more careful, maybe bracing themselves. But that was the power of God, God that was working. And I believe that he's just letting them know, you're not going to take me unless I allow you to take me. And of course, well, and, it was, go ahead. And, and and I have read the book of John before, but that just, for some reason, it jumped out at me this morning. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that is, that's the power of God. That's just, that's the power wow. of God. Yeah. Exactly. And here's the other thing, too. It would it would be Peter that pulled out a sword, remember? And he mm-hmm. cut off the ear of Malchus, and Jesus said, put the sword away. I can call down 12 legions of angels. All he had to do was speak, and he could have come and destroyed those soldiers. He could have destroyed Jerusalem. He could have destroyed the whole world. But he didn't because of you and me. He didn't yeah. because he said, I'm going to take the cup of suffering and death. And it was the only way to to for us to be forgiven and have hope of eternal life. Uh, amazing. Can I can I ask one more question, real quick? Absolutely. So I was talking to my mom this morning, and she and I heard a caller last week uh, that called in was talking about um, uh, Pastor Greg Locke out in Tennessee. And my mom has been watching this fella, and she was telling me I needed to get on there and watch. And I says, No, he's not my flavor. I don't really kind of see eye to eye with with what he's what what he's preaching and she was trying to tell me this morning that Christians can be possessed and and I, what scripture can I give to her to explain to her that the holy spirit cannot reside and will not reside with demonic forces inside of a christian right and you know light and darkness can't dwell together and you know in the scriptures it says greater is he that is in the world uh excuse me Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And a good scripture, too, is in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, um, that because Christians can't be demon-possessed. Uh, uh, I don't believe that the scripture teaches that. We have the Holy Spirit of God, just like what you said, and a demon can't come in and possess us, and yet that can be a popular doctrine among some circles of Christianity. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, um, he says, I'm going to back up to verse 13. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespass, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, speaking of Christ, which was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So we have victory, and um, we have victory because the principalities and powers have been disarmed. Uh, He made a public spectacle of them. That's a military term that when the Roman soldiers or uh, generals would capture uh, an army, they would uh, strip the enemy, and they would strip them naked and parade it, made a public spectacle out of them. And that's what Jesus has done. He has stripped Satan of his power over us, over death. And Satan will come against us. We know that spiritual warfare is real because he goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6 that you are to put on the whole armor of God, resist the, the fiery darts of the devil. He does war against us. He will lie to us. 
He will try to deceive us. He's got a number of weapons that are, um, you know, in his quiver. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. But here's the thing. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. And I tell people, if you go into a dark room, what do you do? You turn the light on. turn the light on. (laughs) Yeah, you turn the light on, and it dispels the darkness. So a container is either lit or it's dark, but it can't be both. And greater is he that is in you, that is the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. So you can give those scriptures to her. And you can tell her that you can't be demon-possessed. And, I, you know, that's the thing. You know, some people, they're afraid that, you know, they're sleeping at night, demons going to come into them, not if you're a Christian. So that's why it's really important to understand who we are in Christ. Christ dwells in our hearts. But we don't want to mess around with the demonic. Because I was talking to somebody today who's, um, you, you know, got a friend that dabbles in the occultic practices and stuff. And, you know, Paul would say concerning idols, there's demonic activity behind it. And the Bible says stay away from those things. So the enemy will come against us, but as a Christian, he can't possess a Christian that has the Holy Spirit of God. All right? Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. You bet, John. God bless you guys there in Texas. God God bless you all. My daughter lives up there in Grover, Colorado, so when we come visit, when they come to church there. (laughs) Come, Come see me. Come see me in Greeley. We're not far away, so... All right, we love you guys. Praise right, God. Amen. You, <laughs> God bless you. 303-690-3000. When somebody hangs up, then there's an open line, text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Robin in Colorado Springs. Hi, Robin. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. You're on Calvary Live. Hi, Hi I'm calling because... Um, I have been in um, therapy for my anxiety, and a lot of times um, I get suggestions such as to practice meditation. My question is, should Christians practice meditation, and if so, um, what should it look like? Well, when they're telling you to practice meditation, what what does that look like for you? What are they telling you to do? Um, it's usually pretty vague. Um, it's like yeah. pretty open. I think it's a lot of times just what... Um, a lot of times what you see in, um, like, the world, like, sort of, like, focusing on, like, the deep breathing and stuff. And I just know that I, the scriptures, they say to, like, meditate on the words. I'm just not sure, like, how should that go into play? Yeah, you're asking very good questions, and I think it's important to distinguish the two because, the, you know, the meditation, there's that word is used a lot. It's used in Christian circles. It's used in Eastern mysticism. The meditate meditate usually is to to empty yourself, um, to to focus on uh, certain thoughts, things like that. In the Bible, when it speaks about meditation, it's speaking about that you are looking to the Word of God. You're meditating on the Word of God, and that you are taking the Word of God and um, placing it in your heart, and that. Meditation also speaks about prayer to God. Um, it's like David talks about, uh, me- meditate on your word day and night. Joshua was told to meditate on the word of God day and night. You'll be successful. So when we talk about meditation in the Christian sense, it is um, taking in the word of God. It is taking in the things of the God is calling out to God, even as David would say that I cry to you, O Lord, attend to my prayer. And 
That's what the Christian is to do. So that word meditation has a broad meaning. Now, you have Eastern meditation. You have, uh, even in Christian circles, there are some that are kind of adopting that Eastern meditation and just sit and just empty yourself and, and focus on self and focus on this vision. I've heard that, you know, on this vision and stuff like that. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is meditating on the Word of God, and, you know, it is calling out to the Lord. And that is going to help your anxiety and to talk to the Lord. Matter of fact, Paul writes in Philippians, Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So what I would encourage you uh, to do, uh, Robin, is that read the Psalms. Go through the Psalms. They're so comforting. And David would speak about meditating on the Lord, meditating on his goodness and his faithfulness and his truthfulness, and going through the Psalms and meditating on how God speaks to your heart and then calling out to him and just with thanksgiving. And it's going to bring comfort to you because the Word of God is alive and the Word of God does bring comfort. And he promises that as you go to him, call out to him, and as you do it with thanksgiving, that he'll give you a peace that passes understanding, just a peace of God ruling in your heart as he desires to bring that comfort to you. So that's what I pray for you. So meditate on the things of God, the Word of God. Okay, thank you so much. Can I pray for you, Robin? Yeah, absolutely. Father, I pray for Robin, and Lord, um, I, I just know that you desire to minister to her your comfort and your peace and that you would do that because we're in a world where we can become anxious and we become fearful and we worry. But Lord, um, you're the one by work of your Holy Spirit that you would just bring that comfort to Robin as she meditates on your word, your promises, your goodness, and calling out to you, having a personal relationship with you. And, Lord, that knowing that uh, the Holy Spirit even makes intercession in our groanings. And, Lord, that uh, she would know that you care for her and that you love her and that you desire to, to bring that peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Bless you, Robin. All right. Okay, I believe that we have an open line. So give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And talking about the things of the Lord, and hopefully you're being encouraged in that. And also uh, here to pray with you, the text line uh, is also available for you, 720-336-0897. Let's keep moving on. Let's go to Dustin and Decano. Hey, Dustin. Hey, how are you doing, Pastor Jeff? Good, how are you? Uh, doing good. Long time no talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I kind of had the desire to call a couple times. I was meditating on. Um, I just had a I had a question, and uh, I guess kind of just didn't want to take too much time. Kind of brief prayer request. So, uh-huh. Uh huh. Go ahead. I just been, I just been wrestling with a couple things with the scriptures. You know, just uh, with the gospels. Um, about uh you know just like the time the events 
and the times and the and the geographical locations. Right. Um, I guess just kind of trying to, you know, when when you read when you read the Gospels, you know, you kind of want to piece together the story on, you know, because it seems it seems like, um, you know, there's in three of the Gospels there's the Transfiguration, and that you know that's mm-hmm. when Jesus went up to the mountain. And, uh, right. and then in, uh, in the book of John, there isn't the story of the transfiguration that I could find. Uh, right. I was just wondering, my question was on Luke 9.37. Okay. In the previous, like, ten verses, it says that they went up to a mountain. And in three mm-hmm. of the Gospels, it says they went to a mountain. Um, right. It says high mountain in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. And then in, uh, I was just wondering, and, but in verse number 37, it says that when they were coming down from the hill, and I was just yes. wondering, like, I mean, you guys have been to Israel, right? and you guys, you know, I was just kind of <laughs> going to see what your take was on, like, you know, what some commentary on that, and yeah. just, yeah, is, it, Jesus. is it a mountain, or is that a hill, or... Yeah, and most believe that it was uh, Mount, what's called Mount Hermon today. Before the Mount of Transfiguration, he's at Caesarea Philippi, which is at the headwaters of the Jordan River. And we go to Caesarea Philippi, which is right at the base of Mount Hermon, um, which is the highest point in Israel. It's about 9,000 feet. Matter of fact, there's snow on it right now. they got a little ski area up there. And so many believe, scholars believe, that it was Mount Hermon. And from Mount Hermon, you can see clear into Syria. You can see into Lebanon. You can actually see into Damascus on a clear day. So it's probably, as you look at it geographically, that he went from Caesarea Philippi and climbed that mountain up to Mount Hermon. Now, there are others that say that it was Mount Tabor, which is south of there, south of the Sea of Galilee, and that's a mountain. It's it's almost like an old volcanic mountain that just kind of sticks up. But it was a mountain that went up. In, in the translation, like in the New King James that I have, it says, and the next day when they had come down from the mountain, there was a great multitude that met him. So it was a mountain, probably Mount Hermon, um, that he's up there on top of the mountain, the more so- northern part of the country, and then he comes down and he uh, heals a boy that's demon-possessed. And that boy is interesting, too, as you kind of put things together, that he's throwing himself in the water. That sounds more like up in the northern part. There's there's streams, there's more water up there. Um, it doesn't mean it couldn't have been at Mount Tabor, but that's the best guess that we have as you look at it geographically. And that's one of wonderful things about going to Israel, uh, Calvary Church in Aurora just got back, and it's good that people can go to Israel now, and so they can, you know, kind of look at it, and you can see it, and uh, so Mount Hermon is probably where it took place. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. I mean, that's just, I've had that desire, too, um, to go there, and I just always like the um, just learning about Jesus, you know? <laughs> yeah, what happens when you go there? is that it really opens up the Bible, and and this is for everyone who's listening, because Israel's opening up, so more churches are going to be going to Israel, 
And uh, I and I pray it stays that way uh, because it's been a difficult two years um, without being able to travel. So Calvary Church, Pastor Ed was one of the first ones really to start going back, and uh, more people are going. But your Bible goes from audio to visual, and it just really makes the Bible alive. And you, you can see the land geographically all the way from Mount Hermon, uh, Caesarea Philippi, where Peter gave his confession, the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. It's just a wonderful time. So if you get a chance, pay attention and um, and see those trips that are going and see if the Lord allows you to go. Hey, you hear the music? Thank you. Appreciate it, Dustin. And we're going to be right back. 303-690-3000 call and number. Give me a call. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you on this beautiful Monday afternoon, evening. Hope and pray that you're doing well. You're blessed in the Lord. You know, we really are blessed as believers, the most blessed people uh, that there are in the whole world because we have Christ and we have a living hope and we have peace with God that comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, I do want to remind you, and then we're going to go to the phone lines. You just heard the numbers. Uh, there is an open line, so grab it. we got plenty of time in the show to answer your questions or to pray for you. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. But as um, we are nearing, just actually in two weeks, is Holy Week. Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday and goes through the week, and many churches have extra services during Holy Week. Maybe they have uh, a midweek, a mundane Thursday, Good Friday service. And so be looking for those services uh, that you can attend and also invite somebody to. Many churches add services to to help meet the crowds. Uh, we are, during Resurrection Weekend, we have a Good Friday service on the 15th of April. That is at noon, and then we have 6 o'clock on Resurrection Weekend, Saturday evening at 6, and then three morning services, 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock here at Calvary Greeley. So I'm really encouraging the congregation, invite somebody. Invite somebody to Resurrection Weekend um, to one of those services, a Good Friday service uh, as we look at the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and then Resurrection Weekend, Saturday at 6, and then Sunday morning on Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But more people are open to go to one of those services than any other time of the year and invite somebody because people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the greatest news ever proclaimed, and that is the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, he's conquered sin and death, and now forgiveness of sin is possible through his death on the cross. As he cried out, it is finished, and then he was put into that tomb, and he conquered sin and death, and that's the good news of the gospel. Uh, And I pray that you would reach out to somebody uh, that needs to hear the gospel, and uh, so Pray about that. It's only a couple weeks. Palm Sunday, of course, is in uh, less than two weeks. Uh, We have the 3rd of April, and then the 10th of April starts Holy Week. And uh, we're going to be talking about 
uh, some things uh, concerning uh, Jesus, his triumphal entry, cleansing the temple, other things um, that I think is going to be a tremendous blessing. And then we head into Resurrection Weekend. So just wanted to uh, remind you of those things. And so I told my congregation, uh, you got your assignment, and so invite somebody out. And uh, this is a great opportunity. This, The world we live in, people are wondering, and they are confused, and they're struggling. And we see it all around us. And we have the answer, don't we? Jesus Christ, in him crucified, Jesus Christ risen from the grave. Amen. Let's go to Rose in Denver. Rose? Yes. You're on Thank Calvary you Live. my call. You bet. My question is, um, how would you share with a Christian that yoga is not for Christians? Well, you you know, we hear about the, you know, meditations, yoga. Yoga usually involves meditation. I've heard the term Christian yoga where they're just doing, you know, muscle, you know, uh, you know, exercises and, you know, things like that. But yoga, there's... um, you know, the yoga that comes, there's a dimension of it, of some meditation. Again, it can take an Eastern meditation and, uh, and all these things. Sometimes there's other yogas where they're just exercising and they're doing some breathing exercise. So I think that we need to be careful when it starts involving Eastern mysticism, meditation, Eastern meditation, things like that. And, um, there's nothing wrong with exercising your body. Uh, but, uh, as I was talking to somebody earlier, uh, what we do as Christians is our meditation is to the Lord, uh, prayer to the Lord, supplication. We have a personal relationship with the true and living God, and so we are to go to him. And the Bible speaks about meditation. Uh, it is David that would speak about meditation in the Psalms, you know, meditate on the Word of God. But is meditating on the Word of God, the truth of God, on him, and not just, you know, meditation where you have all these visuals, you know, exercises and, and things like that, that is actually starting to creep into the church a lot. Um, I've heard, I was actually not long ago, um, hearing somebody praying that, you know, meditate on this, meditate on that. And uh, so uh, yoga is something that, you know, uh, includes physical, mental uh, kind of exercises together, union together, and we just want to make sure that uh, we're not getting into uh, those uh, physical, mental, spiritual practices or disciplines um, that are Eastern mysticism and stuff. Uh, always guide people towards biblical meditation towards the Lord um, is what we are to do. So what if they say, well, before I do my yoga, and it's a born-again believer, before I do my yoga, I pray, and I ask God to... But they do the regular, you know, downward dogs or whatever the yoga... Um, well, the chant, the chanting and stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the chanting and stuff like that, because yoga takes on... Just physical fitness, stress relief, relaxation techniques, um, uh, and things like that. Uh, and uh, but it does focus on meditation, and uh, and so we want to make sure that um, to me, uh, it's like uh, 
make sure that you're just staying away from those those Eastern practices um, of meditation and things like that. And there can be a real fine line with that, that our meditation is towards the Lord um, in, in uh, praying to the Lord and uh, meditating on the Word of God um, that is real to us. And But yoga meditation is usually something different, takes on more of an Eastern mysticism. Okay, I, I heard that the poses were like like worshiping foreign gods, and that's why I always thought it wasn't, you know, something that a Christian should be involved in. I mean, I understand stretching and, you know, meditating in God's Word. Yeah. But I guess yeah. that's what I was more concerned about. Well, yeah, because, you know, we're told not to to be speaking and, and to other gods, have no other gods before us and stuff, and... You know, yoga came out of Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Taoism, those Eastern kinds of uh, practices. And uh, so, you know, as a Christian, uh, we need to be focused on the Lord. And um, I just, you know, if you want to stretch and all that, and, and you know, to me it is you just need to be careful. You can do stretching. You can do ballet. You can do Pilates calisthenics it doesn't matter without any of the spiritual overtones in them um, but the problem with yoga is certainly has origins in spiritual practices and also the problem too is teachers and students that are doing it for spiritual reasons in ends that you need to be careful of so i just tell christians stay away from those things okay very good thank you very much pastor i appreciate it good question thank you all right, let's see where we're at. You know, the thing is, Bible talks about meditating on the Word of God, and a lot of meditation, and it's starting to creep into the church as Eastern practices and spiritual overtones and all that. We meditate on the Word of God. We pray to the Lord. We have a personal relationship with Him, and uh, we want to fill ourselves, our hearts, with the things of the Lord. Let's see where we're at. I believe we got an open line, 303-690-3000. The call-in number, text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Vass in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Vass. Hi, Hi, can you hear me? How are you? Yep, I can hear you. How are you doing I'm today? I'm good. I'm good. This is uh, our first time calling in. and uh, Good. Very excited. So thank you. Um, you bet. my question for you is, uh, I, I, I started to believe in God again, but, um, I'm, I'm having an issue with what I've been taught in school and in college regarding the age of the earth, how it's supposed to be about 4.2 billion years of billion years old compared to the Bible being less than 10,000 years of 10,000 10, years old. And that has a big contradiction for me. And I'm battling that a lot. And when I ask yeah. a lot of believers about it. A lot of them say, well, that's not a question I focus on for now. And and that, to me, is like not facing the truth a little bit. How do you go about that? Yeah, and you're asking a good question, Vass. I went to school at CSU in forestry, so I was taking a lot of science classes. And as I was taking those classes, you know, I knew about God. I, I um, you know, went to church when I was a kid. You know, my parents took me to church. Um, and I remember as I was taking those classes, taking dendrology, ecology, biology, um, you know, all these different classes, 
there was a lot of evolution that was involved and also um, geology, things like that, the age of the earth. And I remember as I was studying, looking at the complexity and diversity of the different ecosystems, and I remember thinking this did not just evolve. You know, there was a creator. And then reading the Bible and and having to reconcile that. So I just want to say, Vass, it's okay to ask those questions. And there are answers. I'm going to give you a website for you to go to that's going to be just an enormous blessing to you. And it's called Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis, Dr. Ken Ham, other scientists that are creation scientists, they're going to answer these questions very, very specifically for you. And um, they're going to answer them in a way that I think that you'll, you know, going to look at it and say, yeah, this really makes sense because it does to me. To me, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe that there's a creator who created the the heavens and the earth. Now, when it comes to old earth and new earth, we know that Genesis chapter 1 speaks about the creation, six days of creation. And then on the seventh day, he rested. I believe that those are literal 24-hour days because it says evening and morning. Um, and whenever that word day is used with evening, morning, uh, you know, night, day, it's a 24-hour period. And God created the heavens and the earth in that period. So I'm going to give you a very simple answer. And then I would encourage you to go look at those that website, Answers in Genesis, and they'll have article after article on the very topic that you are, you know, wondering about. But when Adam was made, Adam had age, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, was was he a one-day-old baby? Uh, oh, I don't think so. No, he, he was an adult. He, he was an adult. He had age built in. So I believe that when the earth was created, age was built into it. And there's other, that's a very simple answer, but there's other factors as well. And, and, you know, the Bible isn't a science book, but science, you know, is catching up with the Bible because even as you read the Bible, you know, they used to think the world was flat, right? The Bible and the book of Job talks about how the world is round. And so creation science is not, we assassinate our brains and we don't have any good science to back up what the Bible says. Of course there is. And I think you very much are going to be blessed by those articles. Now, what happens is there are Christians that will say, well, the earth has to be 4 billion years old. That's how old it was when I was going to college. Um, sometimes I hear, nope, it's 6 billion or whatever. And, um, but billions of years of age. The problem with evolution is is that it tells us that death came into the world before Adam's sin. And in Romans chapter 5, that we know, as you read the creation story in the first two chapters of Genesis, that God told Adam, don't eat of that tree or you shall surely die. He didn't know what death was. So he ate of the tree. Now we live in a fallen world. And so the gospel is this, that through Adam, Romans chapter 5, death came to all men. But through the last Adam, Jesus Christ has come life. The problem with evolution, it is saying that it's God's creation that he brought death to this world. And so all those things you're going to read about that's going to help you put this all together 
and it's wonderful. Uh, the flood, uh, the fossil records, all of those things, the answers in Genesis are going to give you good scientific answers too. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And last thing, I'll love, I'll really appreciate if you could pray for myself and my significant other. She's been opening up about a lot of her deep abuse as a child, and it's been really, really hard for both of us. And we're trying to heal as we believe. So we're, we're like in the beginning of our faith. And also, we're going through all these tough moments in our in our relationship. So it's been a challenge for us. But nonetheless, we we're keep going to church and trying to learn and surrounding ourselves around other godly people. And that helps very much. So I would appreciate you're doing, pray for yep. you. You're doing, doing the right things. You keep growing in the Word of God, be in fellowship with other believers, and just keep looking to the Lord to bring that healing to you guys and to grow you. And Father, I do pray for Vass and and Lord, the relationship he's in, I just pray that as she's opening up, and Lord, um, just the hurt and the pain that she's gone through, that Lord, that you bring comfort to her, healing to her, um, just knowing that all things are new in Christ, and you're the one that can truly bring that to her. And Lord, just help them to grow in Christ, to be encouraged by believers, Lord, uh, that you would strengthen them. And Father, we thank you that um, that you're the healer, that you're the comforter, that you're everything that we need. And I just pray for wisdom for them. I just pray for guidance. And, Lord, that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Vass. Answers in Genesis. I think you're going to love it. Very good. Have a wonderful day. You too. Call back anytime. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's see. Let's go to to. I believe it is um Brian in Arvada. Hey, Brian. <clears throat> hey, thanks for holding, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. So I was just my question is about uh, Lazarus and the rich man. That story, I believe, in Luke um, and. Like, I don't know, it just seems like kind of a, an oddball teaching to me, and like, and I don't really, uh, I don't really understand what point Jesus is making in that passage, and, um, you know, because if you just read it at face value, and then it, you know, it almost seems like the implication is that, um like, well, Lazarus lived in poverty, and therefore, when he died, he went to a place of comfort. And then when the rich man died, he went to a place of suffering for no reason other than that he was rich. And um, I I don't believe that's what it's teaching, but that, you know, on the surface, that seems to be the implication. You know, he doesn't, he never says anything about, he never says anything about, like, well, this person had faith and believed and repented and et cetera. And um, I don't know. So it, it seems weird to me. I don't know. What do you think? Well, Jesus tell, tell this story and you're asking good questions and it's all, it's good to ask those questions because as you look at it, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus, who was a beggar who died. The angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. And then the rich man, 
uh, whose name is not given is taken to that place of torment. There's a gulf in between them. This is called paradise. And I don't, I don't think that this is a parable because in any of the other parables, a parable is a story um, that a spiritual truth alongside of a story that people could understand. I think this is really an account of, of what happens. Jesus was talking about between the one who's a believer and a non-believer, but at face value or initially as you read on the surface um, and you said that you don't believe this is what it's teaching, that if you're rich, then you go to the place of torment. If you're poor, that you um, are one that, um, that is um, automatically, um, you know, in Abraham's bosom. And we know that the whole of scripture doesn't teach that. But I think the key is, is that when Lazarus, you know, he's saying, I'm in torment in this flame. He didn't care, first of all, about the beggar um, that was outside of his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed. Um, And we know that uh, it seems to indicate to us that the rich man did nothing, saw nothing, had no compassion or whatever. But I think the key is this, that when uh, the rich man asks, hey, can you send back Lazarus to warn my brothers? Um, so they don't come to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So that, I think, is the key in that, that this this rich man did not, you know, take heed to what the Word of God said, uh, what Moses and what um, the prophets had said. And so he said, they got the Word of God. There's no going back. So that's the overlying thing is the rich man didn't go to the place of torment because he was rich. We know that as you take the whole of Scripture, that poor people can go to hell just as rich people can. It's that he didn't have faith in God. And, of course, Abraham, as he goes to Abraham's bosom, Paul comes along in the book of Galatians and Romans in the New Testament and says, that Abraham, what brought salvation to him, justification, is that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So it gives indication that he didn't believe in God, lived for himself only, and um, did not give heed to Moses and the prophets. Right. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah. So, it, but, you know, the thing is, too, that um, Brian is, is that there's uh, can be in some circles of Christianity that there are those who say, well, hell isn't real. And uh, the thing is, hell is real, that those who have not come to Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did say that um, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Because what can happen is it's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to be wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. He was a friend of God. David was wealthy. He had a heart after God. Solomon was very, very wealthy, and he had the wisdom of God. Joseph of Arimathea, the one that prepared Jesus' body for burial, he was a wealthy man, the gospel said, and he's the one that you know was a believer, a disciple of Jesus. So I think that it's important for us to understand that it is faith in Jesus Christ, whether you're rich or poor, and I think even that that story there in Luke gives us that indication. All right. Well, uh, 
Well, thanks. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. You bet. You too. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. So we got a little bit of time. Let's go to Michael in Denver. Michael? Hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, sir. As good as I can. Okay. How can we pray for you? Well, a couple things. My Christian walk is suffering. I have been neglectful of everything I know that God calls us to do to grow in Him. Uh, pretty much. I have not. I still feel His presence. I still hear the Holy Spirit talking to me, but uh, telling me what I need to be doing to go back to my first love. I think the Scripture calls it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can use a prayer for me in that regard, but I'm, I'm taking a road trip to New York in the first of the month, uh, coming up here, um, for, for, for personal reasons, because of my own health and because my, my brother, my sister and all need me, need help yeah. up there urgently with, in their up a little town called Amsterdam. Okay. So I want prayer be... for that, but for, uh, uh, for uh, God's uh, traveling mercies upon me and my health and my ability to drive safely. And for for my car to make it out there, uh, it seems like it's ready, but you know how things can happen. So yeah. for travel and mercies and for myself. Father, I do pray for Michael. I pray that as he is uh, going to be heading out soon to New York, it is a long drive. And I just pray for protection. I pray that you would just minister to his heart in the hours that he's in the car, that he would find his way there without any problems that he would avoid severe weather, that, Lord, his car would make it, and, Lord, that you would provide for him. And as he goes there, that what you have for him there is he's desiring to return to his first love, you, but, Lord, to be with family, to be able to to be in that place where he believes you're sending him, and, Lord, that you would provide for him, protect him, keep him under the shadow of your wings, and be with him during this time. I pray for travel mercies. I pray that you administer to his heart as he has time in the car. And, Lord, that you would bless him in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Michael, Amen. you take care. You drive safe, okay? Can I pray for you, sir? Yes, real quick. And then I'm going to get one last caller in before we go off the air. Father, I pray for Pastor Jeff and what he's doing here on the air. I pray, God, that you would bless him and all his and his family in all ways and meet all his, meet all their needs. Just keep him strengthened in you, Father God, that he that he does not falter with what he is called to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for this. Amen. 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 Hey, let us know when you get there safely, okay? Will do. All right, Michael. God bless you. Let's go to Daniel and Milliken. Hey, Daniel, I wanted to get you in before we go off the air. How can we pray for you? Well, my cousin, she has bipolar disorder. Okay. Yep. And you want pray for prayer for your cousin, right? Yeah, his name is Michael. Oh, her name is Michael. Okay. No, his Father, name. Okay, his name is Michael. Father, we pray for Michael. We just pray for his bipolar disorder that you would, Lord, minister to his mind, Lord, to his, to him. Lord, you love him. And, Lord, I just pray for your healing touch, that, Lord, that you would just help him 
Lord, that you would minister to him. And Lord, that there's nothing too difficult for you. I just pray that you would be, um, Lord, with Daniel as, as he, you know, just has opportunity to minister to Michael. And Lord, we just lift Michael up to you. We just pray for your touch upon him, um, his body, his mind, his heart, his soul, um, in every way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. We'll be praying, okay? Okay, thank you. You bet, Daniel. Hey, we're at the end of the show. We've had a great show. And, uh, you know, people praying. There are people that perhaps that that you know that need prayer. Uh, One of the things that we learned in our Daniel study is, is Nebuchadnezzar, who came to the Lord. And I believe that a big part of that was Daniel prayed for him for 30 years as he was with him. And just praying for those that are hurting in our lives that that we know, um, those who are struggling, uh, those who are afflicted, uh, may we be people that pray for them and uh, lift them up to the Lord because the Lord cares for them. He loves them, and he loves you as well. So we had a great show today. I'll be back tomorrow at the same time. If you had an opportunity to call in, uh, didn't, or um, got a question, be back at the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, God bless you. Have a great evening. Have a great day. Stay close to the Lord. Meditate on the Word of God, okay, and on Him, and uh, get that Word of God in your heart. God bless you. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.